This is the Perfect Father Podcast. I'm Odelia. I'm Mackenzie. And I'm Heidi. And today we're going to go deeper into the details of the murder of Shanann, Bella, and Cece Watts. Shanann and the girls were murdered on August 13, 2018. Shanann got home from a work trip around 2 a.m. After Shanann got home, she and Chris had an emotional conversation. When Chris was in jail, he claimed that Shannon cried and said she knew there was someone else. While Watts denied the affair, he said he admitted he didn't love Shannon anymore and that they weren't compatible. That's when he said Shannon told him, you're never going to see the kids again. He said she also told him to get off her because he was hurting the baby. Watts said that he snapped and put his hands around his wife's throat and began to strangle her. Watts said there's a part of him that feels like the idea of killing his wife was implanted in his mind and he had no control over it. During the trial, when a prosecutor said that it takes two to four minutes to strangle someone, Watts said he wondered, why couldn't I just let go? And that's even more so when it makes me think that Chris has had and has some serious mental health problems, like thinking that he has no control over it and going back to like, Did he really have to kill his wife and kids in order to be with this Nicole lady? Yeah. I think he felt like he had to get rid of his old life to get started with this new life with Nicole. And no matter what, you're still going to have a little bit of that old life with you, like, no matter what you do. And so, yeah, I I just think that he has a lot of mental health problems that went into that. And when you watch the documentary and you see him at the neighbor's house trying to convince himself that he didn't do it you can tell that there's something wrong there because he's like very jittery and you can tell he deep down knows he did it but he doesn't want to admit it to himself he's trying to pretend like he didn't do it so my question for you guys is like why do you guys think like this started in the first place because like they had a family nice house good jobs like what what drove him to wanting more than what he already had which is basically like Dream, I, guess. I, I think that there's more than a few sources to it because like we know that his parents didn't like Shannon and so there's definitely something there because like if my parents weren't approving of my significant other I would feel definitely inclined to maybe figure out why um, but I also think that it goes back to the affair because that's a big part of this too that's what he says it is and then Someone in there, I don't, I don't remember who said it, but someone said that money was the biggest part of it. And it's like, I don't think that money was. I think that money could have been a very small portion of it, yeah. but I don't think it's as big as the whole affair. Okay, so going back to the arguments, when um, uh, Chris told Shannon about the um, affair, why do you think um, he chose that moment to tell her. Um, I think, I'm not sure why. I think he was going, he wanted to tell her and then like she went on the work trip so like this was the first moment that he like saw her but like it was probably very emotional for her and she cried a lot. I, I mean even like if you know something's going on, you, I can still relate to the fact where if you know 100% 
for a fact something's still going on, you just don't want to let on to it. You don't want to tell yourself, yeah, that's actually happening. Like, you don't want to admit it to yourself. And so I think even if she'd figured it out and connected the dots and figured out that there was an affair, I think it would still be really, really hard um, for me to hear it from the person, like, yeah, this is actually happening. And not even just, yeah, this is happening, but yeah, I'm done with you. I want to go and start a different family. I don't want you in my life anymore. Yeah, because that would have been really hard for Shannon because she had already been married previously to another man and that relationship ended very badly. Yeah. So, like, this happening again, it must have been like, hard for her to admit it to herself, you know? And, like, you see people who have been divorced once or twice or however many times, and a lot of the time they're very gun-shy to go into a marriage. And so her having that, that divorce kind of talk happen again must have just been really devastating because she thought she found the person that was for her and he just turned around and completely betrayed her. Yeah, in the documentary, um, it said that she was really happy and then like, it, she had been a lot more happy because she found Chris and then she got past her divorce. And now since she's getting right back into it, she probably feels yeah, and something else too is like when they got married, Chris wasn't necessarily healthy, if you will. Yeah. yeah. And there was something about how like he made himself healthier for her. And I think if that happened to me with like my significant other, I'd think, wow, he's like really dedicated to starting a family with me and being there for me. But then he goes and does that and it's just like wow. Like you never know what you never know what to expect. I think it's interesting that you mentioned how like after they got married, Chris got fit. I think that might have been like, like the deciding factor for him. Like, oh yeah, I look fit now, and I'm confident in my body. That's Maybe someone else will like, like yeah. for something like that. Yeah. In the documentary, it talked about that, and it said that um, when he was taking the polygraph, he, afterwards they were talking to him, and it said usually when someone gets like fit like that, that and like all like that, that means that they're starting to feel more comfortable and like want to get in more relationships yeah yeah and I agree with that too but a lot of times you'll hear parents or people saying like I want to be able to be healthy so they can be there for my family months later and it's like it just to take it and go the completely different way with oh, that yeah, yeah. it's just like wow like that's I, I just don't agree with that at all in a blanket and carries her to the truck. Um, he then puts the two kids, Cece and Bella, in the back seat and drives to his work site. There, he smothers Cece first in the back seat and then puts her body in the oil tank. And then he does the same with Bella. And Bella's last words to her father were, Daddy, no.
He then buries Shanann in the ground nearby. One thing that we've talked about a lot is how it doesn't make sense that he killed the girls too when he really just wanted to get Shanann out of his life so that he could go and have his affair lady or whatever. And what we kind of said is like, the only reason I can come up with that he killed the girls too is because Bella saw him drag Shanann. And it's like, other than that, what would make him want to kill the girls too? Like, what in his right mind makes him think that that's okay? Yeah, like, when he, like, in one of the Facebook videos, he seemed really happy when uh, Shanann said that she's pregnant, and like he seemed really happy, and he goes to kill her. I don't understand. And like he, he seemed, he seemed genuinely happy yeah. too. Not like oh, another one. Like yeah. he, he seemed yeah. actually excited. He was actually a boy. And, like, yeah, and that's what he wanted. And like, there's also like a bunch of videos of him playing with the kids, and it's like he's a nice dad. Like he's playing he with his kids. He looks so normal. Yeah, that's and he's happy. That's the thing that always gets me, is how normal he looks, yeah. and how normal he acts. And we were also talking about, like, like from the kids' perspective, like, Cece, obviously, she was, like, two or three. Maybe she didn't fully grasp what was going on, but, like, I feel like Bella, she, I don't know, like, did she, because, like, their mother was at their feet when they are in the car. Yeah. So it was, like, if you were older, you'd know, like, she's not... She's not alive, but like, what and was like, going through their heads? And for us, if someone was laying at our feet with blood wrapped up in a like a, a sheep, we would know what was going on. Yeah, but like, but, and I just I think it's kind of cruel how he made the girls sit in the back of the car, wondering if they're gonna get to the hospital in time because yeah. he told them we're taking mommy to the hospital. She's sick. And I'm like, I think even at that age, I would understand, oh my gosh, we need to get to the hospital, we're in a rush. And the fact that he made them sit in there in the car, scared. And it said like the drive to the oil place was a really long time. Yeah, it was like 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. And when you're stressed, time feels like it goes 10 times longer. And so I, I that's the part that gets me, is the fact that he made them sit in the back of the car, wondering if their mom is okay. Yeah, it's like, were they, old enough to, like to comprehend what was going on yeah I don't think they were old enough because like I hope not. my cousins that are younger like they don't understand like stuff like that I don't think they understand that I don't think they would understand yeah I think that they would just have like genuine reactions like oh my gosh we need to go to the hospital huh? she's dead that's so easy to relate to and just hits so hard like it 
it, it hits deep down because I think all of us can relate to that at some level. Like, he wouldn't leave without his blanket, or they wouldn't leave without their blanket. Like, that's just. Yeah, I agree. Like, all of us have, at least as a step in, more blankets that we can leave without. And it just makes me angry thinking about how he knows where those blankets are and the fact that they are dead. And he's using blankets. it as an excuse yeah. to make it and seem that, like oh, she left. It just makes me so angry. Yeah. Oh, God. So, like, after um, that night, the next morning, Shanann's best friend, Nicole, is the one who actually reported them missing. And from then, it was just, like, Chris trying to, like, save himself, basically. I think that they had, like, the phone records and the oh, yeah. absolutely blowing up Shanann's phone yeah. because we go back to, like, Shanann's social media presence was very, she was very active on social yeah. media. You could tell she was and the kind of person who would, like, check in. That would be on yeah. her phone all the time yeah. and, you know, respond to texts all the time. And so I'm sure that that was really concerning when she wasn't responding to texts at all. Yeah. And then I think... Nicole went to the house and they couldn't get into the house. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when they started really freaking out when they called parents and stuff like that. And so basically while this is happening, Chris was trying to like spin the story that, oh yeah, Shanann left and took the kids with her. Mm-hmm. And then later on when it wasn't really adding up, he was like, maybe somebody took them or something like that. Yeah. He's really? trying to keep on putting excuses. On excuses. somebody else. And something I found really interesting was when um, the cops came, they went to the neighbors and they were like, like trying to see if any of the neighbors had cameras and one of them did. And they went in there and when they were looking at the camera, nothing was really suspicious. But after Chris left and the neighbor was alone with the cop, he was like, Chris never fidgets like that. He's always, you know, very calm and sure of himself. And so yeah. like, he kind of knew like something was up with Chris. Yeah, and I think in the, in the footage, they could see Chris's truck backing up with yeah. the tailgate just far enough in the garage that we wouldn't be able to see the bodies being loaded in. That was yeah. what was happening. Another thing that yeah. I was saying, that the, the neighbor said um, he never loads his stuff in the garage. He always says that outside. So he knew that something was up. He was obviously hiding something. Yeah, he was hiding something. And I think, like, that's, I think that neighbors are a great, like, in this situation, the neighbor was kind of the turning point yeah. for when they thought, Something was going Something's on. Up because how fidgety he was. Yeah. And the fact that the neighbor was like, yeah, no, he doesn't do that. Yeah. And I think in being a neighbor, someone definitely shows their tendencies. Exactly. And what it's kind like, of person they are yeah. and how they keep their stuff. And so I think I think that the neighbor is basically the turning point for the whole story. Because yeah. if they didn't go in there, the neighbor wasn't there. And Chris wasn't fidgety and very like, I don't know what happened. I don't know they what might happened. not have suspected him. Yeah, they might not have suspected him at all. Because going back to the mental health thing, he looked like he was either very, very concerned or he was really trying, he was really losing it deep down. He definitely didn't have the duck on water kind of persona going on oh, there. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until the polygraph test that Chris admitted to all of this. Yeah. yeah. He well, wasn't I think a suspect. I think they did. I think they did the polygraph test, and like his dad came in, and he goes, "Dad, I did it," and he told him all the details. And as a parent, right there, oh like I, I definitely don't know what it feels like to be a parent, but you can just hear our, like you can tell from our parents' perspective, and hearing people how they feel about their kids. Like yeah. I would just be like, "Oh my god!" Like this is the I, person that I raised. I'm a they failure. Did this? Like I, I caused this. Yeah, my mom and dad would be mad. Like they would probably disown. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, think, I think my dad would just sit there and be like, 
that was stupid. I raised this person. Yeah. And so I think from the parents' standpoint, you just have to be like, oh my gosh, what do I even say to them? Like, did I cause this or? Yeah, like they could be like blaming themselves, even though it's not their fault. We have some mental issues, I think. Because I think they showed the video from like in the the room, and the dad was just, or like Chris was definitely asking, like all, like he was asking for um, trying to make, he was asking for his dad to make him feel better, and his dad was just like, I don't know what to say to you, Chris. Yeah, like I. Like if I was a parent, I don't think I'd know what to say to my kid. Like what would like you? What would you that. say? I think I would just sit there and be like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> and uh, so I just think that that's pretty. Like yeah, I don't know. I don't know. In this episode, we went into the details of the murder and how a father could murder his entire family. I'm Odelia. I'm Mackenzie. And I'm Heidi. And this is the Perfect Father Podcast.